Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. John Leggard and Trevor Sikama with you guys here today on a Thursday morning. Um, and it is wonderful to be back talking draft. We've had some great guests the last two days, Trevor. But it's our turn to be back in the saddle now. And we're going to kick things off, obviously, by talking about the NBA because that's what we do on this show. And that's what <laughs> I promised would happen last night. And, man, like, someone just mentioned to me that, you know, is Russell Westbrook the MVP? And I said, obviously, I mean, like, it's the most clear. Has it ever been more clear? I don't like a team would be, I mean, they would have, their wins would be in the teens without him. Like, there's not even a question in my mind. And, like, four people commented back to me and said, oh, Russell Westbrook doesn't use his team. Like, he sucks. He should never be the MVP. I'm like, what? How, like there, I don't like this. Just proves that like you can't. I mean, the guy is literally averaging a triple double. He has ten rebounds a game, over ten assists a game, uh, well over, and then thirty one points a game or something like that. I mean, like what? How can you knock that in any way? And I have more people knocking it than I do praising it. <laughs> Dude, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get too much into it. Uh, anyone who follows me on Twitter knows that I am a devout Russell Westbrook fan, mm-hmm. uh, even before this year and everything. But when he was at UCLA, I loved him. People who are saying that James Harden's the MVP, like I get it. Harden's been great and he's elevated his team. But the Rockets took the Rockets came back last night when Harden was on the bench. Like that tells you all you need to know. Mm-hmm. The Rockets are so much better. Than the Thunder are, and here they are in a playoff series against each other, and the only reason Oklahoma City is here is because Russell Westbrook has gone so far off. You can say whatever you want to about manufactured stats, but like... You manufacture them because you're good. (laughs) He did something that is never going to be done before in this triple-double record, ever. Just give the man the record, or just give the man the trophy. Come on. It ain't that hard. Right. We're, We're making it way tougher than it needs to be. Uh, so there's your little NBA. Speaking blurb. of thing that way tougher than it needs to be, running back. Right? <laughs> yeah, speaking of that same topic, running backs in this class, um, and people making it way tougher than they need to be. You and I, similar rankings again. I think we both would say if everything were right off the field and he were a stellar human being, which it doesn't seem like he is, and I'm yeah. not going to discount a person's ability to change, but the decisions he's made in the past and now another incident resurfacing from high school, though it sounds like this guy's kind of recanting what happened in high school. I don't know. Where there's smoke, there's fire, and we've already been burned at least once with Joe Mixon, and I think that he's incredibly talented and a top-10 talent in this class if everything else is right. But given the circumstances – I think that the, the disparity is that I, I wouldn't even have him on my board as a general manager. Now, it's easy for me to say without my job on the line when someone else gets him and then, you know, they're in my division and they beat me, you know, a couple times a year because of that. But I think when you look at Mixon, you're seeing an elite skill set, but lots of other questions. Yeah, I mean, certainly like for a guy who is six foot one, almost 230 pounds, you know, like people were people were blown away that Leonard Fournette, who is six foot, 240 showed up the combine ran a 451 
well, Mixon's 6'1", almost 230, and runs like almost a 4'4 flat. You know, it's mm. just it's crazy how athletic this guy is and just how natural of a football player he is. But, man, it's the off the field stuff and like to the to the story that's recently coming up about him back in high school i had somebody i was in my newsroom with the other day who said that they wrote the story that uh reported this when joe mixon was back in high school and actually talked to one of the parents of the girls who this happened to and he was very adamant about it and uh very like passionate and about it obviously, and had a lot of truth to what he was saying. And I think this recent, you know, like recant of what he's saying, the the writer said to me, all I'll say is this guy hired a really, really good lawyer. So, <laughs> uh, you know, it's it, like you said, where there's smoke, there's fire with Mixon. And this would be like the third or fourth incident of just like some kind of like violence right. related, either right. like physical event or just like him blowing up like with the parking ticket. Right. Thing. And it's just, man – it's uh, yeah yeah so mixing not ta- touch talent wise great but he absolutely sounds like a guy who should not be drafted right. because of that and it's crazy how he would be the number one running back in such a stellar class and and he could somehow his off the field actions and the person that he is could allow him to could allow for people to think he's undraftable, but I kind of almost think he is at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because someone is going to draft him, and if he's able to stay on the straight and narrow and and not get in any off-field incidents, which you'd hope he'd at least be able to do by the time his rookie year starts, he's going to have an impact. He's going to have a big impact in the NFL. I mean, he's he has the potential to be a top three or four back in the NFL, I think. And so you're talking about an elite-type player. Where are teams willing to roll the dice on that, knowing that if they pass on that, you know, and settle for someone else, you could have more issues. And then there's the Dalvin Cook saga, which seems to have teams saying that they're more concerned with with Cook than they are with Mixon, which is which, which blows my mind. Man. It's hard for me to wrap my mind around, dude. Like this guy has multiple violent incidents. I I don't know, man. Like, Mixon has two incidents. One that is confirmed, literally on video, that he struck a woman, mm-hmm. and you've got people in the NFL saying, "Ah, you know, I just don't trust Dalvin Cook's friend group." So uh, you're, you're, we're gonna we're gonna have him slide a little bit here. And don't get me wrong; like I know he has the injury history and blah blah blah. But if if you are telling me that, and then somewhere around that sentence or conversation, going, "Yeah, Mixon, you know, we kind of like him in the second. That's BS. Like you're just trying to save yourself for whatever reason, you know." And I think. I think that's ridiculous that that Cook, who I, I've been told is no angel, that's the quote that mm. I've been told from someone in the NFL. Cook is no angel, but he, what he has done, or the potential of what he you know got into with his friends or whatever, like all that speculation confirmed against something that is confirmed against Mixon. It's yeah. crazy. I, I don't know. It's just uh, I, I Dalvin Cooks. It Dalvin Cook would be my RB two right behind Mixon, but yeah. You want to know why Mixon might get drafted at a cook? Here's why. Because, and this is all based on the speculation I'm hearing, not anything that I know, but Mixon's issues are such that, you know, he would have to do something exactly like what he did before to get kicked out of football, like Ray Rice on the on the camera to get kicked out of football. Like, he, you know, he could have an incident. He could have whatever, you know, you suspend him a, a week, you know, a couple, you know, a, a year, I mean, even. But there's the possibility that he would still come back and, and be able to contribute to the team, you know, with most of his incidents. With Cook, I honestly think teams are looking at it like if there is gang-related activity like has been reported and has been rumored about with Cook, 
he could be in a situation that required jail time more easily and you would never have him again. And I think that's honestly team's thought process is as simple as that. Like even if Dalvin Cook's like guilty by association, wrong place, wrong time, wrong people, and ends up having to go to prison for something, whatever, you know, that I think honestly, that is how teams are evaluating the situation and they're willing because it's all about availability to them. They don't care about the moral aspects of it or the fact that Mixon has done something that should not be rewarded in any way with being able to play football and, and you know play this game um and in in the sanctity of the sport and trying to keep it clean we're we're so far beyond that i think that the nfl is only worried about what they what's the short and long-term gain for them how much can they get out of it potentially i mean I, I, I'm maybe even like, you know, obviously the recent Aaron Hernandez news, but going back to, to when Henry Hernandez was in the NFL and a great talent, but those same kind of related ties, you know, you would think that teams are more and more cautious of that. And maybe something that they're hearing with cook, there may be something we don't know, obviously with the cook situation, maybe teams True. I'm sure have more inside, more insight into that situation than we do. But on the surface, that's what it looks like. But the, the funny thing is that I think those two guys, and you think those two guys are the best running backs in the class, but McCaffrey and Fournette are still really good. And they're about as polar opposite when it comes to off the field as yeah. Nixon and Cook. I mean, these guys have been from day one at their schools, the guy and squeaky clean and you know no incidents to speak of whatsoever with either of them face of the franchise type players and they're going to be the first two running backs off the board I don't think there's really much if any doubt about it and they're both going to go in the top 14 picks at least and you think uh, McCaffrey's going to go higher than everybody else does yeah I was going to say how are you going to feel when McCaffrey goes number two <laughs> listen, hey, what are you going to do what are you going to do listen man <laughs> if McCaffrey goes number two now listen I need to come up with a great bet because if McCaffrey goes and this needs to be our wager because yeah, if North, McCaffrey goes North, number North two, the thing about like eating tweets, you got to do something here. I mean, I'm gonna we, go. We I got to go beyond eating a tweet. Like I'll go. Like we can have a little bet here. Like you okay. or I could do something. Like if it goes number two or number not or not. Right. We're gonna have to come up with something. We're gonna announce it before the draft. But if McCaffrey goes number two, you're gonna pick a tough bet because I'll put <laughs> I'll put a lot on the line that McCaffrey doesn't go number two. Dude, John Lynch loves him. Uh, he, he does love him. Loves him. Now, Lynch could trade back and get him maybe if he has a suitor. But the Panthers, I think, are, are really, you know, Fournette's great. If he doesn't, if you, if he, we can't trade up to get him or there's not like a real good deal or he doesn't fall to us, which he's not going to, then I think we'll, they'll take McCaffrey at number eight. Uh, I really think that. Um, but I don't think San Francisco. Uh, not at two. I don't know, man. That's rich. But Fournette's going to go at four. I don't think Jacksonville lets him pass. Let's uh, Fournette get past them. Um I think. Yeah, I, just, I, 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 Leonard Fournette four is just so interesting. Um, and by interesting, I mean like it's such a polar opposite thing of what the NFL chooses to do. Because I, I wrote an article this week, and it talks about um, I, I, I had gotten this idea from uh, Justice Mosqueda, who did an article breaking down contracts of the NFL draft and how it doesn't really make sense to take a, a safety in the top five money wise. And so I kind of really took that. Uh, a little bit further and put the scope into maybe what it's going to look like this draft. And now that the rookie contracts are um, like they're, they're stagnant, like they, they mm -hmm. don't change. You can't right. sign some guy for an extreme amount of money. And I kind of explained why you can't anymore and how teams got away with that earlier on in the CBA. Um, now you can't do that anymore. Now it's static. It's static by where you get picked. So if, if we're talking about contracts, 
the thing that mostly it the thing that mostly shows value is guaranteed money. If you are a coveted player, you get guaranteed money. The more coveted you are, the more guaranteed money you get because that is uh, that shows that the team is willing to take a risk on you, and that shows that the player has earned something with it with that guarantee. Mm-hmm. And so with running backs, as you would think with such a position that is injured so much and as we would kind of say is almost a revolving door in today's NFL, it would make sense that the guaranteed money is lower, and it does. But Ezekiel Elliott was drafted number four overall last year. He has the best running back contract in the NFL with that rookie deal because he has $24 million because he was picked number four, and because it's a rookie contract – all 24 of it is completely guaranteed in the first contract. So that's kind of what the, what teams do in the new CBA. You're not allowed to sign them to these like $80 million deals. Mm-hmm. You sign them to lower deals, but all of that money is guaranteed. And so if you draft Leonard Fournette at number four this year because the salary cap went up, he'll get a little bit more than Ezekiel Elliott will too. And he instantly becomes the, the best paid running back in the entire NFL. It just doesn't – that's not how the NFL shows value in where they spend their money. And money is where people tell the truth. You know, you could say one thing here and there, but where you spend your money is really what you think, right? Right. Because you're not going to waste money. And so, I, dude, I, I think the running backs are going high this year. But it's just – it's so polar opposite of what we've seen the NFL do uh, historically, not only in the draft, right. but also with how they value teams. Yeah. I think the NFL's had goo goo eyes for Fournette for forever. And uh, McCaffrey is an offensive weapon more than he is just a running back, you know, so maybe an asterisk next to him a little bit. But you're right in general. I mean, what, there was a stretch there where I didn't think there were really any good running backs. And maybe we. Maybe we thought they're just devaluing the, the position. I mean, and they, I think to a degree they certainly are. I mean, it's a passing league. I think they're devaluing certain types. And Fournette, to me, would be one of those types, right? Like, this mm-hmm. isn't a guy that you take high, typically. You know, he's a power back. He's it's a little bit scheme limited. He's not going to give you great options as a receiver. No one would say versatility is Fournette's strongest suit at all. Um, and yet here we are, and it seems like the NFL is going to pick him within the top eight pick somewhere and, and and they could have multiple suitors and we've even heard Carolina trying to trade up for him from Matt Miller said so to me that I think you're right that flies in the face of everything we've seen the NFL do but I don't think it's a smokescreen I think they love Fournette no I don't I don't think so either I think oh, yeah. if it was a, I think if it was a smokescreen it would have been played a little bit differently I think we're just trying to I think we're just kind of figuring it out now right yeah uh how do you feel about McCaffrey to Carolina I mean I think it's a good fit. I I would prefer to see him in Philadelphia, to be honest. You know, from a selfish standpoint of just wanting to see a player succeed. But I think Carolina could do some really good things with him. I don't. I wonder what kind of a role he's going to play early on because you know, Jonathan Stewart's still the guy. Is he going to play right. in the slot? Does Cam Newton work well with like a timing base type receiver like McCaffrey would be? He's been better with like field stretchers and big targets down the field, and it would be a unique aspect of their offense. They definitely haven't had anybody like him. Yeah, I mean, I think Cooks. I think Cooks way better for Carolina. I yeah. take. I would take Cook over McCaffrey at eight. Because um, yeah, I like McCaffrey at at fourteen too to Philadelphia. I just think that, you know, if you're asking my personal preference to take a running back, I'm going to take the one that it just, Cook showed that he's plenty of blocking scheme versatile mm. at Florida State. You know, and he plays from the shotgun too, and that's a big thing. Florida right. doesn't play from the shotgun. Cam Newton likes to play from the shotgun if he can a little more. So really, I think. There was a lot of talk about 
oh, Fournette could be going to Carolina, this, that, but And I'm like, well, why don't you just pick Cook? He's better from the shotgun. Yeah. And they're basically kind of like the same guy. Yeah, so, I don't, it, it's bizarre. I, it, to me, McCaffrey's a good running back, but like I think both he and Fournette are going to need good offensive lines to be at their best when they have the ball in their hands as a running back. You know, now McCaffrey offers more versatility to help you in more ways, which is why I have him ranked higher. And I still really like both of them as pros. Yeah. To, yeah. Dalvin Cook's offense. I mean, Florida State's offensive line was horrible this past year. I mean, they were putrid. I mean, okay, awesome. run blocking, but, and he was phenomenal. Um, so I don't know, man, like he consistently created for himself and improvised when he needed to. Cause his vision, I think his vision's superb. I know McCaffrey gets a lot of credit for his vision as well, but I think he's more stick to the plan. I know where I'm going and I need to go there than somebody like Dalvin cook is with his improvisation and abilities as well. What? Watch Cook go eight, and none of this matters. Yeah, that would be like, funny. None, none <laughs> of what we're talking about matters. <laughs> How about after the big four? I, there's lots of talk. Alvin Kamara was getting first-round hype at one point. That was a little bit mind-boggling to me. There's there's a lot of guys that have received some attention, but I don't think anyone has really stepped up to firmly claim that number five running back spot, you know, number four if you're not counting Mixon in this conversation. But and, and who for you stands out amidst the rest of the pack as the number four, number five guy? I think I think it's probably two guys that I would put um well actually five or six, not four or five, right? Because we already right. went over the big four. Oh sure. Um yeah, co host can't even count here, folks. <laughs> well um, I was not counting Mixon, that's what I was saying. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um uh so I guess like my next two guys would be either Kamara or P Ryan. And I think those guys are guys that caught a lot of attention early on just because of their production and what they were doing in the season. And then I think that, that things have cooled down on them. I, but I think that's just because of the draft process. I think people are just like worn out of the draft process. I don't know when I watched some IJP Ryan's film and the balance that he has, the ability to break tackles. Um, I don't know. I see plenty of bursts from him. I see plenty of good movement from him. Uh, he's a good receiver. He's not a great receiver. And then on the other hand, Oh, and you know, P. Ryan is a guy that you know you can give a billion carries to if you want to, or you could put him in a situational thing. So that's what I like too about P. Ryan. And then another guy who really, I guess, <laughs> I'm a sucker for balance uh, with these guys is Kamara. I really like Kamara, and I think he is great. I think he'd be fantastic in his own blocking scheme because he is very short area, explosive in the way that he runs. He doesn't have that long breakaway speed. You know, he's not going to beat somebody from the 40-yard line to the goal line. He's just not going to. That's not what his game is. But um, I think he's shifty enough, again, to be a fantastic piece in uh, a, a running back by committee or or a two-headed uh, rushing attack, something like that. So I, I, I would prefer to him to go to more of his own blocking scheme. Mm-hmm. I'd actually like to see him in Washington. That would be kind of cool. That would be but, nice. Um, those, those would probably be my two, the, the guys that I, that I would trust the most next. I am really, yeah, Samaj P Ryan doesn't do much for me on tape, to be honest, which was really disappointing to me because That's I, right. I loved to be wrong. college. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was super, just kind of lethargic on tape. There's not a lot of explosiveness and elusiveness and burst, but Yes, definitely good vision, good power, pad level, uh, things like that. I think he's a rotational back, a guy that you definitely want 
in your backfield. You said he can handle physically a big workload. Yeah, but I don't know how much your offense is going to benefit from it, I guess would be my thing. And I, there's tons of people who disagree with me on Piran. And Piran was one of my favorite players in college. I loved him. I actually had him as my like Twitter banner for a while because I was such a big fan of Piran. I was a little fanboy for Piran. But when you look at his tape and projection of the NFL and then his testing, and he didn't test well at all, um, I don't know, man. I Change of pace type back, sure. Get me on board with that. Day three, I can get on board with that. But where do you see P. Ryan and Kamara? Are you, are you, are you thinking round two for those guys, round three? Uh, I think they're going round two for sure. I don't know. I'd, I'd be okay with it. I really would. It just in a – because I'm a little bit higher on both of those guys, it sounds like, than you are. But I Here's think another wager can... for you then. Uh-huh. P. Ryan isn't going to go until day three. Day three. You, you taking no. that wager? No, no way. That's not gonna happen. I'm he's going down two. right now. He's going day two. There's no way. P Ryan. There's no way. Day three. <laughs> it's happening, baby. P Ryan's going think, day three. All right. So here's here's a question. You think Foreman gets picked before him? Yes. Ooh. I think Foreman gets. I, I'm not big on Foreman either, to be honest. I, to me, when I watched Dante Foreman, you have to divorce yourself from what you thought you'd see or what you hoped to see when you read his size on the roster sheet because mm-hmm. the dude does not play like he's six one, whatever he is. Uh, Adam is six one two, like forty eight. So yeah. basically, people were saying that this is a two hundred fifty pound running back. And it was funny because at the combine, I said to him, you know, you were listed. He was actually, I think, Texas website had him listed like six one two fifty. I said you were listed at two fifty. Did you play at two fifty this past year? And he smirked like that was ridiculous that they had it on the site. And he was like, No, man. I was like, What, what were you actually playing at? And he said between two forty two and two forty five. I was like, That's not a big drop off, man. <laughs> that's so huge. Th- I don't even think that's true. He, he doesn't look to, that big. He showed up to the combine at two thirty three. Man, there's no yeah. him and P Ryan are the same size. And you could say like, okay, well Foreman ran way faster, so he's more explosive. And you're right. I guess he is. But I think when I watch Foreman. Like I can't find a single run that's outside the tackles. He's, you know, yeah. I don't. I, I like have a fourth it, round on Foreman to be honest. I don't think he's. But you, he, you think he, you he's going to get overdrafted because he ran a four four something at his pro day and he's big and the NFL's going to be like, oh, gimme, gimme. But when you watch him, I think his vision's okay. But he's the kind of guy that like vision first level okay. As soon as he gets through the first level, he just puts his head down and goes into truck stick mode. But he doesn't have a truck like he doesn't run anybody over. He just falls forward and wait, who is this Foreman or Foreman? P-Ride? Yeah, Foreman. Sorry. Okay, okay. I just don't see any special traits there really. Like he's not super explosive. He has good long speed once he gets in the open field, but he never gets there because he drops his vision as soon as he gets past the first wave. Uh, he's not a great, you know, not going to be used heavily as a receiver. You know, to me, I, I have him as the fourth round. I have him behind a couple guys, some that we haven't even haven't mentioned yet. I actually have, I actually have, and feel free to go back to Foreman if you have something there to say, but I, I, I actually have Wayne Goleman as my fifth running back. Hey. I, have an, I have an early third round grade on him, but I, I really like him, man. Like he I runs like angry. He runs he, angry, like physical, but with good vision still like how Foreman should run. I feel like is what Goleman does. And he's, he doesn't have the same breakaway speed, but. I like Goleman, man. He's a little herky-jerky at times, but he flashes that jump cut in the open field. It's vicious, and he can catch the ball, and he'll protect a little bit. He needs to work on his technique, but I'm pretty I'm pretty solid on Goleman if he gets in a gap scheme. I think he can be, you know, kind of uh, have a Jordan Howard-type success. Not not to that level, I don't think, but I think he can have, like, a, a surprise successful rookie season. 
I really liked Gallman in college, and I understand why a lot of people were high on him going in the NFL because he really does do a lot. But also when I look at him, um, I saw, like I said, I saw a really good running back in college. I don't, I just don't know if I'm getting that same production in the NFL. Like the the defenses are bigger, they're faster, they're stronger. You're not bouncing off all these dudes. He's not a blazing fast guy. Mm -hmm. He's a he's a good runner. He's an all around runner, and I think that really. I think that was really great for him in college, um, but I just don't see – I understand. I don't mean to double down here, but I understand when people watch him why they like him, even enough to be like RB5, RB6, maybe even higher than that just because he does a lot. But I just don't see that kind of projection in the same way that other people are who have him higher. I have him in my next tier with Kareem Hunt. Him and Kareem Hunt are after this mm. as – uh, at seven and eight, but uh, just like in terms of putting him higher than that, I just don't see. I think a lot of these other running backs are more talented in certain areas than he is, and I, I'm afraid that he will turn that all around running back game that we like to praise in the draft season into mm-hmm. eh, he doesn't do anything great in the NFL. He can like do all these things, but they're not like great you know they're not really making a difference and so that's kind of what i that's that's what worries me about galvin although i love his style so yeah i actually if he and camara like right in the same tier it was hard for me to separate those two because i saw him as totally different runners like if i ran a zone scheme like you said i'm taking camara 100 percent like not even close and if i run a gap scheme I think Kamara can function in that, so he has, does have more diversity in that way. But Goldman, to me, what appealed to me was that, and, and again, we're in the third ra- early third round range here for me, so you're getting a running back that you need to be able to block for. These aren't guys that are going to just consistently create on their own. Um, so you know, that comes with the label kind of a little bit of, of that grade. But the thing to me that stood out with Goldman that really appealed to me was the fact that if you gave him that crease, he didn't take L's. Like, the dude does not take losses. He is getting you whatever's blocked for him, and then after first contact, consistently getting two or three more yards. So if you give him two or three yards, and he's getting to, I don't think he's going to be a home run threat, but this is a guy that's going to consistently maximize every carry he has as long as his offensive line's good. So I placed a lot of value on that, and that's kind of where I where I saw him. I, I kind of appropriately tiered him based on that. But Kamara, How do you feel about Mac? Mm, opposite of Gallman, probably. Marlon Mack, opposite of Gallman, mm-hmm. I think. Um, because he's either going to get you in the end zone or lose five yards for you. <laughs> yeah. He is maddening to me because you see glimpses where you're like, this guy's good. But if you can't be consistent in the NFL, you're, you know, you're, you're Christine Michael. You're one of those guys. You know what I mean? Like, I just think that's how important it is at the running back position. You're, you're catching fire every every once in a while but you're never going to be on the field consistently enough to be able to do to be able to garner that type of production and so i actually have marlon mack in the early fifth round which i know is going to get me yelled at by a lot of people super explosive kid there's some traits you like he can catch the ball a little bit he's inconsistent with it but i just think vision and ability he wants to bounce everything and i just don't know if any team's gonna who, who likes him Bucks like him a lot. I know that they've right. they've interviewed him multiple times. He's gonna try and are they gonna try and make him their next Charles Sims? Uh yeah, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I wonder if he can be taught because there's a skill there for sure in size. Um he's kinda of the same mold. Obviously he would be he right. would be in that role, I guess I'll say. But yeah, this cause Sims is interesting because he was hurt 
and then he was just playing playing bad and you wonder if they're gonna they have him under contract for this year so right. it's not like they're gonna get rid of him they're gonna give him another year but um, let me ask you this who would you take not only as tampa bay you can answer as tampa bay or just yourself okay would you take kareem hunt or marlon mack and why kareem hunt for i sure. got yeah I, I i just think that kareem hunt when we talk about an all-around game with gallman Mm-hmm. Uh, an all-around game that I see tra- as translatable is Kareem Hunt. And I know like his testing numbers didn't do great, but I I don't know. I watch him on the field, and and just like and this is a guy whose tape that I absolutely love, whether it's inside, outside, from the shotgun, uh, from under center, as a receiver, as a blocker. Um, you've seen glimpses of him taking runs 50, 40 yards into scores. You've seen him do goal line things. I, 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 when I talk about an all-around back that I see as translatable, really, in these later kind of rounds, I'm taking my chance on Kareem Hunt. Yeah, not That's a high dude. ceiling or anything, but just a good no, solid I, back. Yeah, good I, don't solid think back. That, I don't think that he's going to be like a multiple all-pro kind of a guy right. or anything with that, with that can-do-it-all label. But um, he reminds me a lot of – he, he reminds me of a better Jacquees Rogers and for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah. And people think like, oh, Jacquees Rogers, like who the heck is that guy? You know, he's, he's been on two other teams before he came to the Buccaneers. But like, here's the thing, man. I've watched Rogers run for a, for a big portion of his career. And I watched him in Oregon State. And the dude's just been slept on. There's no other way to say it. Mm-hmm. Like teams just sleep on him. Because last year when Rogers really lucked into getting the, the full-time job when Charles Sims and Doug Martin got hurt. He averaged like 4.3 yards per carry. They were putting him up the middle. They were putting him near the tackles. He was always falling forward. He's making good moves. It's just like he's just a solid dude. And he's, if, you're averaging, if you're averaging more than four yards a carry and you're just a solid dude even in a rotation, like you're good. Like you're a good running back. You can do your thing in the NFL. You know, there's a place for you there. And that's right. kind of what I see with Kareem Hunt. I see him as a better Jacquees Rogers. Yeah, he, he's an, he's the ideal number two back. You know, there's not a lot of boom or bust here, man. He's going to be good in the NFL. He's going to make it. I know he didn't test grade, but he's going to be a good player in the NFL. At the very least, he's your solid number two back. When you need him to, he steps in. He's a good starter. You know, he fulfills that kind of role for his rookie contract, and you're solid. I I, I just think I, I if the Steelers took him with their that – one of those late round three picks they have. They have two of them. As a Steeler guy, I would be pumped about that because I think he's a great fit uh, and, and can do a lot of what they like. His balance is crazy, by the way. Just right. like nuts. Um, so, okay, we have a couple more guys back to talk about. I know we're almost at 30 minutes already, but I, I want to get make sure we get to these guys. But first, got to ask you, if you're looking at the class as a whole, who's one guy you just don't get it with, man? Like, you don't you don't get the height. Is there a guy that you just... You don't understand, man. What what do people get so excited about? You don't see anything really there, and maybe a day three type guy that you, guy guy that you slide into day three or late day three that other people are like, man, this guy could be the sleeper, and you just don't get. Um, I, I guess, uh, I guess Joe Williams or maybe Jeremy McNichols would be those guys. Mm. I'm, I'm seeing, uh, you know, like people talk about Joe Williams' production a lot, and, and he had a crap ton of yards, obviously. <laughs> It, when he came back out of that football retirement, but um, I don't know. I just I, I wasn't as impressed with him as I thought it would be. Same thing with Jeremy McNichols. People talk about him as maybe being a sleeper, the next like Boise State NFL product after Ajayi and Doug Martin. And um, I don't know. Those are just two guys that I watched and I thought that I would like a lot better. But like I've got I've got Brian Hill. I've got Jamal Williams. You know, we talked about mm-hmm. Dante For- Dante Foreman. You know, like I've got all of those guys above those backs, and I've seen some of those 
in people's top 10. And I know it's not like a hot take because not a lot of people like have them up near the top or anything, but we've kind of covered most of the running backs and if I, I'm just not a big fan of those guys. I don't know. Yeah. I'm McNichols is weird, man. You, we should have said, I should have saved this for hot take Tuesday, but here's what I said about McNichols. You might've seen it on Twitter, but I said McNichols what, stylistically <laughs> ready for this. Prepare yourself. Are you sitting down? I, uh, yes. Okay. Now st- I am. Stay seated. Uh, McNichols stylistically, I saw similarities to Le'Veon Bell in some ways. Not physically, (laughs) not physically, not athletically on the same sphere at all. I have a late fourth on McNichols. Uh, See ya. (laughs) I'm fired. But no, I think that he had the vision and the kind of you know how Bell picks his way through traffic and isn't overly decisive. Many would say when he sees it, he's decisive, but. He kind of has that natural flow to him, but Bell has way more elite athletic tools. Like his feet are so much bouncier, mm-hmm. and he's able to get from space to space. But McNichols kind of has that natural flow between the tackles, he, that serenity in the midst of the chaos where he can kind of bounce and find some space and not to the level that Bell can and not to with the tackle breaking that Bell can in certain ways. But he's a weird player, not like any of these other backs to me when I watched him stylistically, which is why I think I, I drew the comparison. It was so unique. But I, I still have like a late fourth on him. I just don't see great tools at all with him. Um, you know, I think he can function in a backfield, but um, that's about it. I have him over some AJ P Ryan though, so that probably won't make you happy. What? <laughs> but the guy I really don't get, and the guy that I really just I don't man, I don't understand why everyone's calling him this like sleeper back at all. It's Brian Hill from my I don't understand, man. Like I watch him everybody says he keeps his legs turning. Yeah, but he's running into the first defender he sees. I I don't I don't oh man, I didn't see anything to write home about with Brian Hill. I thought he was like a fifth to seventh round type guy. I don't know. What what you have you said you mentioned his name in there. Do you you like him a little more than me? Uh barely. I mean I'm yeah. I'm kind of of the same mold. Uh I, I've seen other people put those other dudes a little higher, but I guess, you know, like he's I mean like I'm picking Brian Hill basically in a in a in a pool with James Conner, Jamal Williams, you know, like those two guys. And, and I, I, I watched a couple of, of, uh, Hills tapes recently after I watched them initially. And, and you're right. I'm kind of looking for something. It seems like that's not there. Um, yeah, he, he, was... he just, he seems like, again, like an all around guy. Yeah. He didn't really get, I'm higher on him than you are. Like I take him in like the fourth. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't see, I don't see the, he is like one of the best running backs to be had in this class kind of talk, like should sneak into day two kind of a thing. Somebody called him the, the Jordan Howard day three pick of this draft. And I was like, well, what? Like, no way. No way, man. Like, I don't know, man. I don't see it. Jamal Williams is my, that was my boy though, man. Like I was so high on Williams when I first watched him. I was like, this guy, he might sneak into the late first round. Like he's freaking good. And then, the more I watched him, I got some all 22 and other things. And you, and you start to see uh, a little bit of the inconsistency. I still have him early fourth round. I love his style, man. He's violent, physical kid. He was split out wide as a receiver and ran pretty good routes. And But they just didn't throw to him very often. He was open all the time on tape. I was like, 
dude, their quarterback was it Taysom Hill or whatever. He just loves to freaking chuck it deep, man. He doesn't want to check down <laughs> to save his life. Um, but I thought Williams, he, he early in his BYU career, he, he was productive as a receiver. I think he'll be again in the NFL. Terrific pass protector, one of the better ones in the class. Um, just not enough athletic tools. Uh, just a, kind of a bummer. He he's a good jump cut. I think his vision's improving and coming back. He was out of football for those two years, and you could see it get better. I thought as the year went on, um, as he kind of adjusted to the flow of the game and things. And I think that I think he's a little bit scheme diverse. You're probably better off with him in a gap scheme. I think he can be a spot starter, catch fire for a couple of games, but he's just going to be a good solid backup for sure in the NFL. Um, I like him, man. I have him over Foreman to be honest. Um, I I do like him, but. I was bummed. I went back and watched this tape more and more, and I was like, yeah, there's limitations here for sure. For Jamal Williams, you're saying? Yeah, for Jamal Williams. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we, we talk about rankings, putting guys here and there, but, like, really, like, once you get after the – even, the, like, the sixth, seventh, eighth guy, it's almost just, like, a preference thing. Like, you have to know the teams that are picking. Yeah, that It has to make sense. You have to right. be getting the most out of their abilities, you know, because a lot of times you're spot-picking what you think could be great – traits in the nfl because right we talk about improvement and players you know getting better and uh, i can't remember who said this originally um might have been eric stoner but he said that when we talk about prospects and improvement normally when you make the jump to the nfl your strengths get stronger your weaknesses don't go away you know that doesn't usually happen Mm -hmm. and so you and so like when you talk about running backs who are who are ranked seven even like you know seven eight nine ten twelve whatever uh, you're kind of looking at what they might have a trait is really well, and you're like, okay, yes, that could fit for that team. So mm-hmm. rankings kind of get clouded, clouded when we get this deep. But what? Okay, last thing I got to ask you is when we get to round three, and mm-hmm. we're talking about late sleepers that could have an impact. Not maybe. If, I mean, we're not talking about full time guys that can develop into starters here, but we're talking about late guys that can have an impact play a role for your team be a two or three back give your maybe a third down guy give your team something returnability something like that anybody that catches your eye in that late range area um trying to get the the the, the deep list in front of me but i think i mean like james Conner's one of them mm. I think james Conner is being really slept on in this class man he was acc yep. freshman of the year what two three years ago yep. um got hurt and then obviously had the thing with uh hodgkin's lymphoma got over that and i thought he had a, i thought he had a fine year like he had another really productive year and i watched his tape from when he was the acc freshman of the year and holy crap dude like he was hammering people he's just straight up running over people this guy cannot be tackled and i think that there's absolutely a place for that in the nfl especially when you were talking about really split back systems getting situational roles man if you want if you're talking about a power having a power role james connor is one of the four best running backs in this class at that. So mm-hmm. like we said, you know, the later we get into these draft rankings, you look at abilities that you could hone in on and possibly turn into great or elite traits. And I think James Conner as a power back in situations could be used pretty well in the NFL. So I don't know. He's a guy who who I think is just being slept on for you know, whatever reason, whether people were bored of him or because he had the incident with cancer or whatever. But I still like James Conner, man, as long as everything is good with him. Yeah, so do I, actually. He was one of the guys I was going to mention because, like you said, short yardage. How many people are stopping him, man? I don't think. Ser- yeah, seriously. Not many. <laughs> the guy runs angry, and he's freaking huge. Um, so, yeah, I, definitely a big fan of Conner day three if you're looking for that power element to your backfield. And he's, he's pretty decisive, too. I don't think he's not going to dance. He knows who he is. Um, yeah. And TJ Logan's another guy, UNC kid. Um, huh. 
not as a full-time running back, but just as a little weapon to give your offense a little bit something. Uh, it tested really well, actually tested, you know, Curtis Samuel lovers. Look up TJ Logan's testing and you'll see somebody that actually does what you want Samuel to be able to do. But he's not a running back, and so you're gonna not, not like a true running back. He wants to bounce everything. And, you know, maybe you use him occasionally here and there for a carry outside, but he's got some home run threat ability, and I think he's a, he's a pretty good receiver. He made some impact plays after the catch, was really productive in that regard. So he's another guy, like, if you're trying to steal somebody day three to be like a little spot plus. Some people like Tariq Cohen. I I didn't really see, see it with him. I mean, he – He's definitely a little bouncy, but people compare it to Sproles, man. It, it, it drives me nuts when people compare guys to Sproles. Like, just because you're little and quick doesn't mean you're Sproles, man. Like, that guy's football IQ is off the charts. His vision was incredible. Yeah. One other guy One other guy I'll name is uh, Michigan's Davion Smith. Mm-hmm. And I don't – like, I don't think he's I – don't, I don't think he's ever going to be a starter, but – I just think he's a really good football player, dude. Like, I've watched, and I've actually had, had talks to Michigan fans, too, because when I watched him at the East-West Shrine game, and then I think um, somewhere else. I can't remember. But, okay, so, like, he was at the – oh, he's at the Senior Bowl, right? They called him up? Mm-hmm. I think so? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, they called him so, up. Yeah, so he was at both of those. And I, th- I was like, man, this guy, this guy runs hard. You know, like, I don't think – like, he's not blazing by anybody, but, mm-hmm. like, dude is running hard. So I went back, and it took a lot – uh, a, a deeper look at his tape, and I started watching a lot more games, and that's kind of what I saw. I just saw a guy who's just like, I don't know, I just see he's a good football player. He could be a special teams guy. He's a guy that's going to make the roster. He could be a third running back on a team and a good third running back if he's the guy that you have as a third running back. So when we talk about building your team from the bottom up or from the top down, whichever one you want to say, having a solid football roster and good football players all around, Davion Smith's kind of a guy that that I would that I would pick up in the much later rounds and be like, hey, I got this. At least I got this guy on my team. Dare Ogunbowale, that's my guy in that role that you're talking about. Okay. Special teamer, he can catch the ball a little bit. Not a great athlete, but he's kind of a little slippery in the open field. He's powerful too. I just think he's going to find a role on a team. He looks like Marion Barber to be on tape, but um, yeah, I think he's going to find a role for a team. I don't. He'll never be like a key guy, and he'll probably float around for a while, but. I think he finds a role, carves out a little career for himself. But we we went crazy on this podcast, man. Forty minutes on forty minutes on running backs and Samaj P. Ryan's going day three. You heard it here first on the oh, Locked On NFL Draft you podcast. Didn't hear it? You yeah. didn't hear it? We're coming up with some wagers for you guys uh, for for when these things go down. So Trevor has to do some awful things. Um, promise that'll be next week. We'll have that for sure. Tomorrow's Fan Friday. Make sure you send over your questions to us on Twitter. Use the hashtag Fan Friday. Ask us about anything. Do we want to talk about anything specific tomorrow? Do you want to talk about the tight end class and have people just ask tight end questions, or do we want to go to defense? I don't know, man. The world is the world is our oyster right now. Let, let's see what the fans what the fans right. theme of the questions are, and we can go from there. We'll let you theme the questions and uh, and and send them our way on for hashtag Fan Friday for tomorrow's podcast. We'll talk more NFL draft, and then that's it, man. We're into the week draft week coming up right around Crazy. the corner. Nuts. Thanks so much for joining and being with us here. As always, leave us uh, leave us a, a, a plug or something like that uh, as well um, on the podcast. Uh, get, you know, give us a little review or a little rating or something. You know, one star or something like that. Uh, let us know whether you liked it or disliked it, and and how we can improve. And I mean, I don't think that's possible, but just in case <laughs> it is. But anyway, as always, thank you guys so much for listening and keep it locked right here on Locked On NFL Draft. <laughs>